really there is being put in a situation where you don't necessarily know what's going to happen to a high level of degree of confidence and you've never faced this before even your mentors haven't faced this before so all you can do is really gather as much information as possible very quickly we went from uh oh this might be bad to oh wow this is a huge opportunity Welcome to Joyful Sundays, a podcast delivering weekly insights, inspiration, and tools to live a more conscious, connected, and intentionally meaningful life. Join us as we go into the minds of some of the world's most inspiring leaders to discover the keys to unlocking your best self. In the midst of a global pandemic, there has never been a more important time to reflect on how we want to emerge, what we value, who we are at our cores, and how we want to reflect those North Star values in the lives we build post a global crisis. I'm your host, Jody Kovitz. I am so excited to talk to you about two women who are breaking barriers. Nora Sakija, CEO of Majuri, and Marie Chevre, CEO of Sampler. I couldn't think of anyone better suited for this discussion. Noura is an innovator, a jewelry lover, and a supporter of independent designers. Her company, Majuri, graduated from 500 Startups San Francisco Accelerator and is an alumnus of Montreal's Founder Fuel program for early stage startups. When it comes to breaking barriers, Noura is the definition of not conforming to gender stereotypes. She raised $23 million for Majuri while pregnant with her twins. Marie is equally impressive as the founder and CEO of Sampler, the leader in direct-to-consumer sampling. I met Marie years ago, and she started Sampler with a vision to transform the way consumer packaged good companies distribute product samples. Marie has single-handedly raised over $6 million to fund Sampler's growth to date. Good morning, Marie and Noura, and welcome to Joyful Sundays. I'm so happy to have you both here with me today. Good morning. Good morning. It is really honestly something that gives me so much joy to be sitting here on the phone with both of you, wishing I was in person, taking a cup of tea or coffee together this morning. Both of you are incredible human beings, moms, and founders of super high-growth tech companies. And as you know, having founded Move the Dial, having a very strong desire to amplify the stories of incredible leaders like yourself is really important to me. I'm so delighted to have you both here today. So before we launch into talking about both of your businesses, I'd love to start with how are you each doing today? Marie, why don't we start with you? I'm feeling good. I think throughout this whole journey, I really tried to keep a positive spin on what this is doing to our society and to our businesses and to our teams. And I think lately, I've been just feeling really optimistic about the long term impact that this pandemic has had and making us live more balanced lives. That's so beautiful and exactly what we're talking about today. Nora, how are you doing? How's your family? How are your kids? I share the same sentiment is that what we're going through puts things into perspective and it sort of forces us to slow down and focus on the core things that we really value or things that really drive the business. So it's really helping everyone 
I guess if you choose to, <laughs> to try to find the silver lining. And we're essentially trying to be positive every day with the kids spending a lot of time, which is, I guess, the silver lining. That's beautiful. And I love what you said around choice. And it really struck me, Marie Noor and I had a phone call a couple weeks ago and really focused on we always have a choice around what our perspective is and how we look at the world, glass half full or glass half empty. So before we dive into sort of that mindfulness, which is really going to be the focus of our chat today, I'd love you each to tell our listeners a little bit about your businesses. Why don't we start with Nora and then we'll move to Marie. Tell us about Majori. Tell us a little bit about your origin story. I am a very devoted customer of your business. We have many pairs of earrings and so much jewelry. My daughter got her ears pierced and she was looking at your website. I said she could pick one pair and she chose four pairs. I did buy all four pairs. (laughs) So please tell us a little bit about your incredible business. That's amazing. Your daughter has really good taste. (laughs) (laughs) She does. So Majuri, actually, I'm a third generation in my family to work in jewelry. And so I always say it's quite expected of me from my family to be in this field. And so when I was growing up, I got an insider view in the industry and decided I didn't necessarily want to pursue it as it is. It was primarily the way that I would describe it is high price point products, very classic designs and typically marketed for men to buy for women. And so I decided not to pursue the family business. I studied engineering. I worked in consulting a complete detour, but I've always had my eye back on the jewelry industry. And so wanted to enter in a completely different and fresh perspective for millennials and the next generation, which is uh, create a brand for women to buy jewelry for themselves, which is quite simple. And so we started in 2015 and I'd say 70% of our customers are women buying for their friends or for themselves. And so This is one of the things that we wanted to change. It's not necessarily a gifted purchase on a traditional occasion. It can be something that you buy for yourself. Thank you so much for telling us a little bit about your business. And you've done so with great humility. Can you tell us a little bit so that our listeners understand how much you've scaled the business since 2015, which has not been a long time, how many visitors you would have in a month and the kind of funding you've already raised as a woman-led technology business? We've chosen to be a venture-backed company, and so we've raised around $30 million in funding. We've been growing about four to five times year over year. And to give you context, we started off with four founding team members, and now we have over 150 employees. And so the magnitude of the business has been accelerating year over year exponentially. Our aspiration and goal is to be the number one global jewelry brand. I love that. And I believe it's going to happen. And I'm very excited to watch you continue to scale. So now over to you, Marie. I'm so excited to have you with us. I've been watching you grow your business over the last couple of years and the momentum that you've had and the the way in which you've done it has been remarkable to me. Can you tell our listeners, please, a little bit about Sampler and the momentum and scale that you have been experiencing as a founder of a high growth tech company? So Sampler helps consumer packaged good brands distribute product samples. So think of things like lipsticks or bags of chips or granola bars directly to consumers' home for an in-home product trial. So ultimately, consumers can taste and touch and feel and smell products and ultimately, hopefully fall in love with those products and convert to a purchase. So we make that entire transaction completely transparent to the brand and really allow for that kind of two-way communication between 
between the brand and the consumer in the very early days of a brand, or even as a brand is looking to create like more scale of brand advocacy. It's been just such an incredible journey to make this very traditional way of marketing, which is product sampling, completely digitized and completely measurable. So that's our mission at Sampler is really creating personalized relationships between people and brands. And it's been such an incredible journey. So today, Sampler works with over 300 brands, including one third of the top 100 CPG companies in the world. So now that we're well into navigating the impact of COVID-19, it's a good opportunity for us to reflect a little bit on how we dealt with it in the sort of emergency moment in the early days. And when I reflect on my own personal experience, I remember the moment, it was in fact my brother who called me and said, Jody, we are in a black swan moment here and you need to really think about what your runway is and whether you can continue to operate, move the dial. I remember just the feeling of breathlessness as I heard his words and I really initially didn't want to believe him. I was like, no, 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 we're fine. We're going to figure this out. We have all this program ideas and we can pivot until his words really sunk in. And I started to think very much about how to best problem solve and navigate our organization through the pandemic in light of the fact that our business model still was heavily reliant this year on live events, 75 of them to be exact. And the moment of sort of reckoning with myself as to what the right path forward was, which in our case was to completely put the organization into stasis while we figured that out, was a real truth to self leadership moment and doing the hard thing that was the right thing, even though I really didn't want to. And I had worked so hard to build a thing that I was so passionate about with my team and incredible community. And so I'm really excited to talk to Nura and Marie about how they each as leaders being in, of course, different positions with product and service businesses, how they've dealt with COVID-19 and where they're at now. It came to us super quickly. It was a quite a tough time. We had to react also very quickly to what's happening. And so one of the key things is for us to really think of where our business is going realistically this year. As you know, the problem happens is when your macroeconomic conditions happen. Obviously, you don't plan for that. Your entire projections and your entire plan is going to have to readjust. And so by doing that, we also have to rethink of our structure as well and our goals. And so we literally sat with the executive team days and days in the boardroom. And then when we had a work from home, we were on Zoom the whole day and with our board, just thinking of how are we going to mitigate for the change in plan, the change in structure. And so we had to take a lot of steps. And for us, we immediately had to close retail. We were one of the first to do that. And so retail was a big growth accelerator for us. We'll come back again. I have huge confidence in it, but essentially had to close four or five stores. What I would say every leader is being put in a situation where you don't necessarily know what's going to happen to a high level of degree of confidence. And you've never faced this before. Even your mentors haven't faced this before. So all you can do is really gather as much information as possible. Think of the safety of your team, of community, what you're doing with regards to that, and think of how you have to make your companies thrive, survive and thrive so that you can hit the ground up and running essentially when this is uh, calmed down. 
For us, it was the cancellation of a big trade show in our industry called the Natural Products Expo really early in March that told us and signaled that our industry was changing and that was going to be affected. In the early days, I actually didn't know if consumers would be worried about receiving products at home, right? Like, would e-commerce even get a hit? And so we had to see the trend play, which lucky for all of us, I think, we were quickly able to see that like most of the impact was going to be at retail, at physical retail, but that in fact, e-commerce was going to be getting a huge increase and that we would all, even our parents, even the people that, you know, hadn't converted to e-commerce were all going to convert. So very quickly we went from uh oh, this might be bad to, oh, wow, this is a huge opportunity. This is an opportunity for us to increase our relevance. So from there, what we decided as a leadership team was that we were going to show up during this time, but that we were going to show up the way that Sampler typically shows up, which is in being very genuine and helpful and just like trying to make the best of the situation and being supportive to our community. So like many other startups that have done incredible things in our community, our first thing was let's actually go out and crowdsource masks, leveraging our audience. It was one of our teammates, Brian, who was like, I have a contact at this great fabric company. We have users who have sewing machines. Why don't we just send them a box with all the materials to create masks? And kind of this amazing opportunity for us to show up and use our strength, to use our superpower. And I think that that has carried our team through this difficult time. I feel so blessed to have had the opportunity to chat with Marie and Nora about how they each handled navigating this unprecedented time. You know, in particular with respect to Nora, having had to close her retail operations and think very deeply and realistically about where her business is going. And I actually think those are themes that many of us can relate to who are operators and founders. And then with respect to Marie, really reflecting on what she did to mobilize her community to give back by crowdsourcing masks and helping and empowering the community, as well as really recognizing the opportunity for the e-commerce business and her ability to react and act quickly and always let her team know sort of where the puck is going. She's talked a lot with me about her communication style and that transparency as a leader. And I think those are some remarkable lessons for all of us. I think one of the things that I can relate to in their leadership is really going in and knowing when it's time to be a wartime CEO. The next question that I'd love to ask each of you is really about how you get yourselves into the right mindset to be able to operate through this kind of particularly stressful time for any business leader. Let's start with you, Nura. What are some of the practices that you use in your own life to be able to have the degree of focus that you need right now? I think with this time, and especially being away from friends and being away from doing perhaps some of your hobbies that typically give you energy, it's important to take a step back. It's so easy to be connected all the time. So it takes discipline to set some parameters to have your own personal space to recharge. For me, spending time with my kids is really, really important to me. And sort of I'm super protective about that. Other things that I have to say, our entire team, essentially just relying on them and sharing what we're going through and being vulnerable is really also important because we're all in this together. These have been huge sources of focus for me, the divide and conquer approach, 
the uh, spending time for myself, spending time with kids. These were very important things for me. I meditate quite actively. I typically actually use meditation at the tail end of my day, which is a variable time. I actually use it as a separation from my work day to my home day, which right now there's not a lot. So it actually is more important than ever. So after the to-do list is done, I sit for approximately 30 minutes. I like to listen to you know a recording typically from an app like Insight Timer. But yeah, so that separation is really important. And then I have kind of a different ritual in the morning, which I need to get better because I haven't done it in the last few days, but where I try and read 10 pages of a business book. I actually like love and hate business books. I hate <laughs> business books because they get you so riled up because you're like, oh my God, I'm not doing this thing. Oh my God, I should yes. be doing this. Yeah. But at the beginning of a day, 10 pages is just the right amount of like kicking the butt, if you will. And then at night, I love like, that. it's a fiction book, no business book before bed. That would be very, very bad. <laughs> So I've really used this opportunity through the pandemic to deepen my meditation practice. And I've been reading a number of different books, including by Pima Chodron, who's really a leading mind in this space. And that there is no perfect meditation practice. Often we think if we get a meditation pillow and we sit on it and we listen to some music and we breathe deeply, like everything that's running around in our minds will stop running and that we'll enter this perfect 20 minutes transcendence. And one of the things that I've realized is that the power of meditation is to practice coming into now, to be able to surrender to the moment, to allow all of the noise that goes on in our brains, like chatting voices at us all day, to just sit a little softer, to see it and not judge it, and to really come into connection with ourselves. So I've really been enjoying sitting on my meditation pillow in the mornings and meditating in the evenings to just connect with myself, know what I even think, how I feel, and just giving myself permission to quiet my mind. And in fact, I'm so excited about it. I've signed up to take a meditation teacher's training course which I'll be doing in August to deepen my practice and to be able to share some of the techniques that I learned with the Joyful Sundays community. I believe that small rituals can make a massive difference in our lives. I've been studying the art of ritual and I'd love to talk to you both about how as we emerge, it's a really interesting opportunity to bring with us some of these practices, but also a mindset and set of values, I sort of call it a North Star set of values that we want to live by in the future. So my next question is, has anything shifted for each of you in terms of how you think you'll emerge as a leader, mom, sister, daughter, partner, human? Let's start with you, Nora. For me, to be honest, it reconfirmed a few things that I've always been a fan of, and I think I doubled down on them. It's really leading by example. I've always believed in that. And it's just being with the team, doing the work, being with them during the tough times and being with them during the happy times as well. And I think how tough situations bring a certain level of energy from different people. And for me, it's showing up and being with the team, bringing clarity, bringing direction. I think this I will carry with me afterwards as well as I see a huge value in it. 
for me, my North Star value has always been transparency. And it's been really by default, because as you know me, I love to talk. Like I get on a call and I spill the beans about someone else's sale. You know, if I'm having a bad day, it's also very visible. So I think transparency has always been as a leader, something that I've tried to look at as a strength, although sometimes it could be a weakness. So the people we hire are so smart. We hire them for a reason. We hire them because they're so amazing. And sometimes as leaders, it could be so easy to just take it all on. But the moments in those like magical moments where you have no choice, you have to come up with a solution and you need to consult with each other. You realize like, oh my God, we should be meeting more often. I should be sharing this stress I'm having with you. I should be delegating it to someone who is way more skilled in that specific thing. So I think it's a good reminder to all of us as leaders that we're not alone in this and that everyone wants to take that ownership and responsibility. There's something so powerful and profound about being able to lead as who we are and show up as our authentic selves and be celebrated for it and successful. What is one thing that each of you is going to leave behind? So I'll tell you what, For me, that's the pace at which I was living. I will never go back to working 22 hours a day, traveling to different countries twice in the same week, and just thinking that that's an okay pace to live with when my body is saying no. So for me, you know, my pace will always be much more intentional, thoughtful, much more boundaried around my energy. I'd love to know anything that each of you might be leaving behind as we come out of this. Work-life balance, to be honest, I always thought that we were doing a good job at Sampler. Like I remember like talking about work-life balance or like culture as like we have snacks in the office or we have puppies, which are like awesome, cool things. But like I'm embarrassed that that was part of our job description when really like what it should be about is choose where you work. I think it's changing the entire world as it relates to the workforce. And I'm so excited about that. There's a couple of things that come to mind. Uh, One would be going back to saying no. When you're going super fast, sometimes you have to stop and say, is this really adding value or necessary or actually pulling you down? And so this reflection time has been beautiful. So my community has a couple of questions for you. What is your favorite restaurant, Nora? Bar Isabel. Marie? Gusto 101. What is your favorite city to travel to on vacation, Marie? Israel. And Noura? Bali. Who is your greatest role model or greatest life inspiration? You first, Marie? My grandmother, uh, Doreen. She was just such an incredible human being, just like shining human being. You could just feel her energy. And Noura? My twin girls, they're 15 months, but they just brought a completely different perspective for me. And so they help me simplify things. (laughs) And so the last question I have for each of you is, if you could give a piece of advice to any founder who's listening to this, what would that advice be and why? I'll start with you, Marie. Just start. I think like the first little bit is so overwhelming for people. Everyone thinks like, oh, what if I can't do this? What if I can't do that? Literally every step of the way is going to be a new challenge. And Noura? The first step, even if you think you don't have the perfect solution, because it's never going to be perfect. Thank you so much for joining me on Joyful Sundays. It was so amazing to talk to both of you, and I can't wait to see you both in person soon to continue our conversation. 
I'll just add in a layer of my perspective that perfect is the enemy of good. So if you try to get to perfect, you actually will never start. And neither of these incredible business leaders and humans would have done what they've done if they were ever afraid to try. Thank you for listening to Joyful Sundays, the podcast where I have truly inspiring conversations about how to become your best self. If you like this episode, support us by subscribing, leaving a five-star rating and a comment. I'm your host, Jody Kovitz. See you next time on Joyful Sundays.